You know, we're living in a day when we have to learn boomers, millennials, Gen Xers all working together. I've done a lot of studying about uh, what turns on and turns off the younger generations. Here's a couple of turn-ons, and I'll give you the turn-offs as we get into the podcast. Here's what they love. Ask for their input, recognition and praise, context, feedback, time spent with managers and leadership, learning how their current work is making them more marketable, opportunities to learn new things, fun at work, flexible schedules, small unexpected rewards for jobs well done, cubicle land, and working side by side with the leadership. This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about taking leadership to the next level. If you desire to learn to be a better leader, this podcast is for you. I promise to give you practical leadership tips you can use right away. My passion is to help you lead more effectively. Welcome to the show today. Today's podcast is brought to you by the letter A, the letter A in leadership. We are in a series of podcasts related to learn to lead 10 essential skills every new leader must master. And the L in leadership stands for listen and learn. That was podcast 63. The E in leadership, last week's podcast is emotional intelligence, podcast 64. Also, podcasts 31 and 30 and 42 also deal with emotional intelligence. Today, we come to the letter A, and the A in leadership stands for accessibility and vulnerability. I think those two things are very much wrapped up in each other, accessibility and vulnerability. Today's leaders need to learn how to be accessible and how to be vulnerable. That's what we'll talk about today. I appreciate you, my friends who are listening. The things I'm going to cover today is what does it mean to be an accessible leader? What are the boundaries that you do need to set? But how can you be accessible and why is that so important? And then we're going to talk about vulnerability, something I've learned a lot about in my career. And I'm going to leave you with two action points about accessibility and two action points about vulnerability. As an aside, I just want to tell you, I just came back from the podcast movement 2015, which took place in Fort Worth, Texas in the summer of 2015. Second podcast movement event that's a it's a convention put on by podcasters for podcasters. Why did I go? I went for you. It was amazing. There were 1,100 of us there, and podcasting is growing huge. I went because I want to up my game. I want to do a better job with this podcast and the value that I'm providing for you. One of the people that spoke there, a woman by the name of Alicia Tyler, her podcast is called Girl on Guy. And when you hear that, I know the first thing you're thinking, and that's probably why she calls it that. But She actually was an amazing speaker. I loved what she said. She said a lot of things, but let me just give you a couple of things that I think fit perfectly into our theme of becoming a better person, becoming a healthy person, and being a better leader. Success is not the absence of failure. It is persistence through failure. I just love that. We cannot create a world where we have no failure. She interviews a lot of famous people on her podcast, and she gets them to admit about their failures. Success is not absence of failure. It's persistence through failure. And she reminded me that we're not perfect, and we shouldn't pretend to be perfect. In fact, that's what vulnerability is all about. 
She loves interviews with famous people and demonstrating how imperfect they really are. She also quoted that famous Rocky Balboa who said, It's not how hard you hit, it's how far you get hit and keep going. It's not how hard you get hit, it's how far you get hit and keep going. Actually, this fits perfectly with today's shows because I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, we do get hit. Failure is a prerequisite to success. So let's get brave, let's stay brave, and keep leading. Well, the A in leadership stands for accessibility. Let's talk about accessibility. Beware of the ivory tower syndrome. Beware of the corner office syndrome. That is so last century for leaders to be isolated in an ivory tower. I heard the story about a company and the leadership had their whole, all their offices on the top floor. They had their own restaurant, their own health center, of course, their own offices that were just gorgeous and beautiful, and nobody was ever allowed up to the top floor where the leaders were. What kind of a culture do you suppose that created? Beware of the ivory tower syndrome. Beware of the corner office syndrome. I've devised a simple test to determine whether you're task-oriented or people-oriented. When you're working at your desk or wherever you work and someone comes and invades your space and wants to talk to you, do you stop your work, smile, and chat until the conversation naturally comes to an end? Or do you grimace inside and, and do anything you can to get the conversation to be done? A lot of nonverbal clues like you are bothering me because I am trying to get my work done. Well, if you answer the latter, then you're probably like me. You're a type A task-driven personality and you tend to measure your success by getting things done, by checking things off your list. This personality type is often described as impatient, time-conscious, insecure about their status, competitive, hostile sometimes, even aggressive. They're often considered workaholics, and they're not very good listeners. A people person, on the other hand, like Donna, my lovely wife, when someone invades her space, she sees that as an opportunity. And I'll have to say she's a lot more accessible than I am. Accessibility is an important trait for every single leader, whether you're a type A or not, whether you're um, task-oriented or not, whether you're a people person or a task-oriented person, you have to be accessible. Here's a great quote I heard from Carlo Maria Gullini, the former conductor of the Los Angeles Philharmonic. You know, this is cool because a Philharmonic orchestra is a team that in order to be beautiful and put out beautiful work, they have to be one of heart. They have to be a team and the conductor is the leader of the team. Listen to this quote and see if you can hear about accessibility in this quote. My intention always has been to arrive at human contact without enforcing authority. A musician, after all, is, is not a military officer. What matters most is human contact. The great mystery of music making requires real friendship among those who work together. Every member of the orchestra knows that I am with him and her in my heart. Wow. Let's talk about power distance. Have you heard that term, power distance? 
Let's talk about this idea. In the old days, there was a lot of power distance between leader and follower, between boss and employee. But as the decades have gone on, the power distance has shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. You know, there are four main generations that are alive today, the builders, the boomers, the Gen Xers, and the millennials. Builders were born before 1946, huge power distance between boss and employees, between leader and follower. Boomers, kind of a medium power distance, 78 million strong. Gen Xers, little bit of power distance. And millennials, born between 1990 and 2010, are about 80 million strong. They're actually bigger generation than the boomers. The Gen X generation is a small generation, people in their 30s and 40s today. But the thing about millennials, the ones that are really invading the workforce today that are in their 20s and 30s, no power distance. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it's real. Power distance is real. And sometimes older people, the builders and the boomers, get surprised by how the millennials and the Gen Xers don't want power distance, and it threatens older people. My good friend Patrick Kelly out there in California, he and I are working on a new book about how boomers and millennials can work well together. And this is one of the big issues, the issue of power distance. Older people sometimes read this as a lack of respect, but that's really not what's going on here. It's really a generational difference about what's appropriate. It's a cultural phenomenon about what is appropriate for a power distance between leader and follower. And let me give you an example because I've traveled the world. As you know, I've been to over 100 countries. I have been so blessed to have a career where I could travel the world and I love other cultures and other countries, and I've studied leadership and how leaders behave in other countries. Let me give you the example of Korea, South Korea. I was there doing a training, and uh, we actually have too little power distance compared to some countries. And in Korea, there's a huge power distance. And it's a, it's a problem because I was talking to um, – a group of uh, Koreans, and I was teaching them about feedback, about emotional intelligence, and how it's important to evaluate your leaders. And they started looking at me like I had uh, deer in the headlights. They were like, what are you talking about? They were saying that I was telling them about having a 360-degree evaluation and having the people feedback to me, the leader, how I'm doing. And they just said, we would never, ever, ever be allowed to give feedback to our leaders about how they're doing. You know, Asia has a very much of a face-saving culture. And in their culture, that would be losing face. Uh, it would be considered disrespectful and an insult. Interesting, isn't it? But most of you who are listening don't work in Korea. You work in America. And in America, the power distances have gotten very small. Talked to a woman this week uh, who was in leadership in her church, and, and she complained about some people that were always demanding immediate responses to messages and emails. And she said, you know, I'm part of the pastoral leadership team, and it seems like everybody wants instant answers to everything. There are no boundaries. And so I don't mean by being accessible that 24-7 everybody else is dictating your schedule. But it is true today. People are so demanding of their leaders. And one of the issues is there's no power distance. As a leader today, you need to be accessible to your people. I want to tell you a story about a pizza lunch I had at 
our ministry, World Venture, I decided to throw a, a pizza party for everybody in the building that was under 30 years of age. And it ended up being a dozen people. Uh, we had about 60 that work in the office here in Colorado. And I said, I just want to pick your brain about what it's like to work here at the home office, uh, what we're doing good, what we could improve generationally from your point of view. How are we doing? And whatever you say will not be used against you in a court of law because I was the boss. They were the employees. And so I had these three big butcher blocks on the walls. This is a great exercise I would highly recommend you try. The first butcher block was the title was, what do you like about working around here? The second one was, what do you not particularly like? And the third one is uh, suggested improvements. Well, let me tell you what they liked. I was kind of surprised at some of the things they came up with. Accessibility. When I became uh, the president of that ministry, uh, my predecessor had been Dr. Webster, and everybody assumed whoever the leader was, was probably going to have an earned doctorate because that's the culture there. And you would call him Dr. Webster. See, that's power distance. Well, when I became president, I said, you know, I am a doctor, Dr. Finzel, but you're not going to call me Dr. Finzel. You're going to call me Hans. Why did I do that? Because I wanted to be accessible. You know, it was really hard for some people that had worked there for a long time. They cringed at the thought of calling the leader by their first name. But what was I trying to do? Reduce the power distance. You know what they liked at that pizza party? They told me, I love how we feel we have access to all the leadership. You guys uh, work with us. You play with us. We feel like we, we can go to your office and talk to you. You come to our offices and talk to us accessibility, so important. What did they not particularly like? Well, anything formal. For example, when we built our beautiful new Colorado headquarters, our international headquarters here, we kind of put a bunch of rules about what you could and couldn't put on the walls. Basically, you couldn't put anything on the walls except what we deemed in terms of the scheme of artwork and the paint and all this stuff. And they didn't particularly like that formality. They wanted to be able to put whatever they wanted on the walls around where they worked. We fi We finally... Uh, as a result of some of this feedback, abolish those rules about what you can and can't put on the walls and what you can and can't paint the walls in terms of colors. <laughs> and it was kind of cool. Uh, suggested improvements. Number one suggested improvement was more communication and access to the leaders. They wanted more, more accessibility. Let's talk about understanding young workers today, Gen Xers and millennials, because we all need to work together. And I started this podcast with a list of things that they love. And let me repeat that list again. What turns a young worker on? This would be anybody, let's say, below 40. Asked for their input, recognition and praise, context. In other words, what is the context of what they are doing according to the whole mission and purpose of the group. Feedback, how am I doing? Time spent with managers and leaders. Learning how their current work is making them more marketable for the future. Opportunities to learn new things. Fun at work, structured play, harmless practical jokes, lightheartedness, flexible schedules. You know, that's a huge thing, the flexible schedule thing. Don't make me work nine to five or eight to four, 
you know, I, I want to work. Time shifting is huge for the young generation. Uh, telecommuting is huge for the young generation. You know, a couple of my sons have jobs where they can telecommute. And it is awesome that a company trusts them to work from home. Uh, a couple of other things, small unexpected rewards for jobs well done. Cubicle land, they love that. Working side by side with the leadership. So what turns them off? Isolation. Waiting in line. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, stick around a while, learn the ropes, and in five years I'm going to give you something significant to do. But first you got to learn the ropes and you got to earn your dues, you know. Waiting in line. They don't like it. They want immediately to make a difference with their job, with whatever they're doing. Other things that turn them off, processing change over a long period of time. Leaders hiding out in their offices. Leaders never being around. Inflexibility about time and schedule. Workaholism. Being overly watched and scrutinized. A controlling culture. Do it because I told you to. Do it our way. Feeling pressured to convert to traditionalist behavior. Uh, disparaging comments about their generation's tastes and styles. Boy, that, that's huge. You talk about destroying your credibility. Just start dumping on the younger generation in front of them. See how that goes. <laughs> Feeling disrespected. Corner offices. Huge turnoff. Remote leadership. Generations like the millennials and the Gen Xers that have grown up with accessibility and the ability to click a couple of keys and to get what they need want that kind of accessibility for their from their leadership. They don't want this large power distance. Finally, in terms of accessibility, I want to use the illustration from uh, Jesus and the Apostle Paul, two great leaders from the Bible that were accessible. Even Jesus had an open-door policy. He had time for people, especially his inner circle of 12. You know, it's amazing. He had so much pressure to perform, and we know that he only had three years to accomplish all of his objectives in his position. He had a lot to do in a short amount of time. Let me just give you a couple of verses about his style. Luke 4.40, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. And here's one from Matthew 4. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, and those suffering severe pain, and the demon oppressed, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. One day he saw the crowds gathering and he went up on the mountain and sat down and his disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. He just was accessible to his leadership team and actually to the people. Paul, another one of my favorite leaders in all the New Testament, loved to teach about all the things that he had learned as a leader of the church. He had no corner office. He had no ivory tower. He had no pulpit or lectern that he hid behind. His work, his ministry as a leader was life on life. Here's, here's my, one of my favorite verses about accessibility and this whole idea that a leader and the follower must work life on life. First Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8. But we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. 
Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, meaning, you know, the knowledge, the information, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. That's the same thing that a concert symphony leader was talking about, life on life. The more people we have on our team, the more pressure there is to isolate ourselves as in key leadership. But don't get locked into that corner office or that ivory tower. you got to be accessible because it's all about people. Leadership is people work. How accessible are you to your people? The other concept I want to touch on is vulnerability. It actually makes us more human. Vulnerability is a state of being open to injury or appearing as if you are. It might be emotional, like admitting that you're in love with someone who might only like you as a friend, or it can be literal, like the vulnerability of a soccer goal that's unprotected by the defensive players. Being vulnerable is showing weakness. It's showing your your soft side, your your brokenness. You know, people don't like to work with people who pretend to be perfect. Now, here's why we fear vulnerability. A couple of reasons. It's our personality, our upbringing, our fear of being discovered, found out, trying to keep up an image, pretenders, pride, we can't admit our mistakes, or fear of being found out. What we talked about with Mick Euclid in episode 62, the imposter syndrome. I'm afraid I'll be found out. People will find out that I'm not perfect, and then they won't like me, and they won't accept me. Leadership is not a popularity contest, and we shouldn't try to be people pleasers. Let me give you a quote by one of my new favorite authors, Brene Brown. Oh my gosh, she's amazing. Her message is a message for leaders about vulnerability. Here's what she says. Uh, By the way, the name of the book is Daring Greatly. How the courage to be vulnerable transforms the way we live, love, parent, and lead. Daring Greatly. Here's what she says. I spent a lot of years trying to outrun or outsmart vulnerability by making things certain and definite, black and white, good or bad. My inability to lean into the discomfort of vulnerability limited the fullness of those important experiences that are wrought with uncertainty, love, belonging, trust, joy, and creativity, just to name a few. I highly recommend that book. You know, let me just tell you a story about my own leadership team. You know, I've struggled with vulnerability. I'm a private person. And sometimes I come across as being arrogant or, or prideful or I'm too cool to talk to you. You know, some, I hate it that I come across that way. But really, it's because I tend to be a private person. But sometimes people interpret that as arrogance. Oh, I just hate that. But, hey, you know, that's the way I come across to some people. The truth is the opposite. And here is why I'm a private person and it's hard for me to be vulnerable. And what happened one time is I finally came to grips with this. And then I told my leadership team what I'm about to tell you. And and after I told them, they went, oh, now we get it. Now we understand you and why you are the way you are. And once I unpacked it for them, man, did they embrace me because I became vulnerable. 
I'm a type A personality. I'm driven to produce. Uh, my family always judged me on what I did, performance, not who I was becoming, character. You know, my home had no intimacy. We never shared on a personal level in my home, so I never learned about intimacy and vulnerability. I'm an INTJ on the Myers-Briggs scale, introverted, decisive. I thrive on getting things done by myself. I'm German. I'm pure German. I'm a pragmatic German. And you know any Germans? It can be tough to get under the skin of a German. Uh, I'm a technology freak. I love machines and electronics. Uh, they help me get stuff done. And, and, you know, they can distract me from the quiet, deep conversations and vulnerability that I need with people. And this last one, I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. And my counselor who helped me work through this said that adult children of alcoholic follow these four rules. They don't talk about what's important. They don't feel, especially difficult emotions. They don't trust people very much. And they don't stop working because they never succeed. Well, I shared all this with my team, and it really, really helped because I became vulnerable. I went to this counselor. He helped me. I think uh, most of us could use a counselor or a therapist. You know, pay someone to really listen deep to your issues. You know, who else will? Sometimes that's the best thing you can do to come to be in touch with who you are. Well, he told me I needed to be more vulnerable with my team. And so I told him, I shared this with them. Number seven, especially about being adult, child of an alcoholic, changed everything. And they said, now we get you. If you're familiar with Patrick Lencioni and his uh, five dysfunctions of a team, some of you are probably thinking about that as I'm talking. You know, he's got this pyramid, and it's on my show notes, hansfinzel.com uh, slash podcast. You can find the show notes. And uh, the, bottom, uh, pier the bottom slice of the pyramid where all the troubles start with teams is the absence of trust. And if there is no trust on the team, you can't build your way up the ladder to results that will be significant and marvelous. And you know how you eradicate the absence of trust? Through vulnerability. It all begins with the foundation that is laid with vulnerability. Vulnerability builds trust. And without trust, you can never get great results. You know, it's interesting that uh, I want to get back to Paul as, as we wrap this up here. The Apostle Paul was also a very accessible and vulnerable leader to his people. He was vulnerable. 1 Timothy 1.15, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Romans 7.18, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do good, but I can't carry it out. 1 Corinthians 15.9, For I am the least of the apostles, and I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I did a lot of bad stuff. Well, you know, I, Hans, did a lot of bad stuff when I was growing up, stuff that I'm ashamed of. But I've come to learn trying to pretend that you didn't do that or to pretend you're perfect doesn't do anybody any good. So in conclusion, people love to follow leaders who are real and personal and accessible and vulnerable about their strengths and weaknesses. 
I want to finish with one more quote from Brene Brown and then give you the action points. Here's what she says. If you think dealing with issues like worthiness and authenticity and vulnerability are really not worthwhile because they're more pressing issues like the bottom line or attendance or standardized test scores, you're sadly, sadly mistaken. It underpins everything. Brene Brown. Four action points. Two on accessibility. Number one, be sure you have times when you're accessible to your people. You can have an open-door policy according to your schedule. Have meals with them. Go hiking. Have a picnic. Manage by wandering around and talking to people in their cubicles. Number two, when you need to be alone, structure it and let people know you'll get back to them. Boundaries are important. Henry Cloud's book, Boundaries, is a great book. We do need boundaries, but we also need to have those times structured so they know you are accessible. And they understand when you're not available, why you're not available, because you have that other stuff you have to do. In terms of vulnerability, number one, don't pretend to be perfect or to have your act together if you don't. People don't like working for walled-off people who are pretenders. This is true in the church as well as in the business world. Hiding weaknesses really does not build trust. And number two, study the five dysfunctions of the team, Patrick Lencioni. You'll learn how much all the foundations for great teamwork and, and, and marvelous, amazing accomplishments by a business, by a company, by an organization, by a nonprofit, by a ministry, it all begins by trust. Trust is built through vulnerability. Hey, this week has been brought to you by the letter A. Next week, we'll be talking about the letter D in leadership. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. We can always take our leadership to the next level. I hope you keep listening and learning and that you go out there this week and make a difference with your leadership.